Hello? Oh, hey, Ash. How's it going? Uh, pretty well. How are you? Oh, I'm just great. Thank you. Uh, yes. Yeah, my, my internet's pretty bad at the moment, so I apologize if I drop out. No worries. Okay. Um, do you know the, the thread I was referring to, the agnosticism thread that's on the boards at the moment? I have not read it in great detail, but I've looked at the last few posts. Okay, well, but maybe that's the um, was the source of my frustration then. Excellent. Um, do you want me to read what I was going to to post and see what you think of it? Well, perhaps uh, just in case we end up releasing this, uh, you could give the context for people who might not be aware of the thread. Okay. Sure thing. Well, um, somebody posted originally some questions, I think, relating to your podcast 1671, um, referring to the, the agnosticism stuff. Um, there was, uh, I thought, a pretty decent conversation that happened, and the, the original poster seemed to be uh, quite satisfied at the end of it. And then it, it continued uh, a little bit longer. Onto, onto the second page where you made a post and I got um, a bit frustrated with that post but what you've just told me that you didn't read the whole thread would probably explain explain why and the reason was that I made um, quite a rather long post on the previous page about uh, agnosticism and how I thought that the, um, the categorization you use while applying to some agnostics, doesn't apply to all of them. And then with your post, you kind of reiterated your original definition without any reference to what I said, and that left me a little bit frustrated. And I, I totally understand that, and I'm I'm sorry that I missed uh, I missed your post. Okay, well, that that does explain it a bit. Um, if you if you didn't read through the whole thread, but. So it's not a huge issue. Well, why don't you uh, talk about the point that you'd made and make sure that, uh, if you have time, and just make sure that I, I understand it? Okay. Um, I think your the, the definition you use for agnosticism is of a specific type of agnosticism, but it doesn't apply to agnosticism in general. And I think that could be a problem uh, because people who do identify themselves as agnostic but do not fit into that particular definition um, have maybe some some judgments made about their position that might not be quite just. All right, and where where is the definition uh, of agnosticism that uh, that I'm missing? Just just to make sure that I understand it. Oh, as a general definition, I believe a uh, definition is someone who, oh, I can perhaps look it up because uh, Wikipedia can uh, do a pretty good job on it. But of course, there's all different types of agnosticism. But the, the common characteristic is, I believe, the claim to knowledge about the existence of a deity, whereas Obviously, theism and atheism are claims to knowledge. I'm not sure that atheism. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure that atheism. Uh, 
I'm not sure that atheism is exactly a claim to knowledge. Well, it's saying gods don't exist, right? Well, I don't think it's saying that gods don't exist any more than you can have in someone who's anti-leprechaun or uh, anti-unicorn. Uh, I think what it's saying is that the definition of existence requires uh, at least at the very first thing, logical consistency in the entity being described. And in the second part, uh, ideally, uh, and that's necessary, though not necessarily sufficient, right? I could describe some imaginary being with biological characteristics that were not self-contradictory, you know, like a silicon-based life form instead of a carbon-based life form. I could describe that. And I think only a fool would say there's no possible way that a silicon-based life form could exist. I mean, if it's, if it's biologically possible, then you could say uh, that, uh, that somewhere out there, there may be a silicon-based life form because the idea is not self-contradictory. And so I think from that standpoint, an atheist or, or a rationalist or a philosopher, let's say, is going to say, well, sure, if, if the concept is not self-contradictory, then the possibility of existence remains open. It's not proof of something's existence, but it is not axiomatic disproof of something's existence. And so I think from that standpoint, uh, there is that aspect. And that seems to be where the agnostics kind of want to elbow their way into by pretending that gods are somewhere along the lines of a silicon-based life form. But that's not true. Gods are in innately and inherently self-contradictory uh, entities. And so I think an atheist is, is, is wise in saying, well, sure, there could be uh, a, a um, silicon-based life form out there or intelligent life somewhere out there in the universe, for sure. Why not? But uh, on the other hand, uh, I think that it is a perversion of the concept of existence and knowledge to say that we have to scour the universe looking for square circles to find that they don't exist because a square circle is an innately contradictory concept, and the, as is a god, uh, as is a, a leprechaun and a unicorn and a ghost and a goblin and all these kinds of things. And so uh, that's where I put, I think that agnostics are constantly trying to sneak gods into this idea of silicon-based life forms or intelligent life forms other than humanity. And that's, I mean, the guy just did that in the thread, right? So he said, look, if I say I have a million dollars, you don't have any proof, but you don't have any disproof. And as I pointed out, as I, you know, get increasingly weary of pointing out, not to you, of course, but to people who are agnostics, having a million dollars is not a self-contradictory proposition. Uh, so it's certainly possible, though it's not proven. But self-contradictory entities or entities that are defined as simultaneous to non-existence, right? So what happens with agnostics is they will create a realm called the opposite of existence and say gods could exist there. In other words, that gods could exist in the opposite of existence, i.e. outside of the universe, outside of time, outside of reality, with no possible footprint in this universe and with self-contradictory definitions. But that is to say that existence equals non-existence. All they're doing is the defining a realm called non-existence and say gods could exist there, uh, which is logically insane, <laughs> if you don't mind me putting it that bluntly. And I don't mean that with regards to an agnostic who is new to philosophy, of course, right? I mean, I think that makes perfect sense to, you know, to be patient and explain uh, slowly that agnosticism is not valid with reference to gods, but it is perfectly valid with reference to, you know, could there be uh, 
entities out there in the universe that we've never even imagined that exist. Well, of course, but we do know that they're not going to be self-contradictory entities because that's not possible in the realm of existence. And we also know that if they have no physical footprint or energy footprint in the universe and they are self-contradictory, that that's the very definition of non-existence. So that's, uh, that's sort of where I'm coming from. And if I've missed a definition of agnosticism, uh, I'm certainly happy to, to be corrected. Oh, and I absolutely agree with that. Completely share your frustration with these people who come in making these kinds of claims. I mean, it's kind of, you know, that's kind of Kantian in, in a metaphysical sense. It's just kind of, you know, a transcendental realm that's, we can't know anything about, but we can still say something's in it or whatever. It's complete nonsense. But, um, what I was saying, trying to say is agnosticism. That, that is a very common type of agnosticism, but agnosticism in general doesn't require that. It's just um, saying that the, the truth value of the claim that some deity exists or not is uh, unknown to them. So there is there is the type that you mentioned, the kind of new people who just haven't kind of thought about it, um, you know, thought about it at all and don't, you know, haven't reached a conclusion yet. But there's also like another type of agnosticism at the other end of the spectrum where whereas um most most deities that opposed all the gods and stuff are self-contradictory but that's when people start adding features to them like omnipotence and omniscience and all these kinds of things i mean i think is not i think there are concepts of deities that although we would both agree that they don't exist they they are described in a way that they're not self-contradictory and some ag- some people um, would call themselves agnostics because they have no proof that it doesn't exist, although they are still atheists in that they do not believe that, that the particular thing exists. Does that make any sense? I, I think it does, and I appreciate that clarification. Uh, the first question that pops into my head is I, I personally have never heard of a definition of a god that does not involve some element of magic or supernaturalism or some self-contradictory property. Uh, And so to me, if somebody defines a god as, I don't know, a a very intelligent being that can fly, well, yeah, there could be really, really bright birds out there on the moons of Jupiter or something. And that, but that would not be a god in any way that is really understood by, by the use of the term god. I mean, to me, if you define a god as an, a, a potential entity or being in the universe that does not possess self-contradictory attributes, then to me, that's no longer a god. That's just a possible alien, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah, I, I do think that makes sense. So are you saying that there would no be no conception of a deity at all that would be... Um, would not be self-contradictory. Well, I, I think that you wouldn't call it a deity then. I mean, I have no, I have no doubt that there are beings out there in the universe that are vastly intelligent, relative, like vastly more intelligent than we are, and may be able to do some seriously trippy things, like time travel on a whim or pop around the universe using wormholes and all this kind of crazy stuff. That's certainly possible out there, but they would be living entities 
that would have evolved, that would not have existed prior to you through the universe, that do not exist outside of time, do not exist outside of the universe, they can just do some really wild stuff, you know, which is would be as astounding to us as you know watching a, a space shuttle launch would be to a Cro-Magnon man or a, something even further back, like a Neanderthal. And so I have no doubt that there are astonishingly intelligent beings with incredible attributes out there, but they're just really, really advanced life forms. They're not, they're not gods because gods exist, must exist prior to the universe in general because they're considered eternal and we know that the universe uh, is not eternal. So uh, gods have to be eternal. Gods have to have consciousness without physical matter and consciousness is in effect a physical matter, uh, not uh, something like gravity is an effect of mass. Uh, consciousness is an effect of, of the brain. And so these are all self-contradictory entities. Like if you said, uh, my God is gravity, which exists independent of mass and exists before the universe and outside of time, that is a uh, self-contradictory notion because gravity is an effect of mass. And so I've not heard of a definition of a God that escapes the problem of contradiction, self-contradiction. But if I did, then to me, that would no longer be a God, but rather just a potential being with really cool superpowers, so to speak. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm reasonably uh, happy with that definition, I think. Um, you do, what, sorry what to interrupt, uh, but if you, if you do before, find... Just about the... uh, sorry to interrupt, but if you do find the definition of a God that is not self-contradictory, but still has the characteristics of a god, I would be quite fascinated to read it. And I'm not saying go hunt for it, because I think it's a, I think it's a beast that doesn't exist. I think we'll sooner find god than that definition. But, um, but if you do come across one, I know you're <laughs> studying this stuff. If you do come across uh, a definition, I would be absolutely fascinated to read it, and I hope that you would uh, consider posting it. I'm sure I would. I mean, if I was going to think of something, it would, as not not positing something that, um, you know, I think is likely to exist or something, something that may be possible or that an agnostic could say is, you know, we don't know how the universe is created and it it may be possible that it was some, um, you know, some entity that had some kind of intelligence that did it or something like that. Obviously, it doesn't provide any support for it, but I don't, don't necessarily be self-contradictory, although you may disagree on that. Well, um, I have no problem with uh, people coming up with, you know, we could be shit from the ass of an infinite turtle. You know, anything's possible when it comes to the creation of the universe. Uh, it could be that the universe was created from a prior universe where an incredibly intelligent or able race of, of beings was able to create a new universe or what, who knows, right? That, that's all certainly possible. But again, that has nothing to do with what is called a god. Uh, because there, you know, maybe there was some magical machine or some amazingly technologically advanced machine that they did to create some new universe. And, but, but again, that would not be the characteristics uh, of a deity. In other words, those beings would, those hyper intelligent and advanced beings would be very unlikely to have popped into existence out of nowhere or to have been eternal, uh, because it, eternal and life is not as something that goes hand in hand. Now, again, you could say, well, if they find some way to replace their bodies or transfer their brains to machines and replace those machines, you could get something that is eternal. But uh, certainly life cannot start out eternal, because if life is eternal, then it doesn't die, it doesn't reproduce, there's no uh, gene mutations, there's no possibility of advancing, right? I mean, if the, if the original single-celled life forms of the planet 
uh, never died, then there would have been no evolution and therefore no intelligence would ever have. So life has to start out dying and, and reproducing and having those mutations, which allows for evolution. And if it then comes, you know, at some point uh, becomes uh, eternal through some incomprehensible technology, then that's still not the same as a god because it's still – I've never heard of a god that evolves from a single-celled life form. Uh, a god is, is sort of an eternal and omnipotent consciousness that exists outside of time. And so if the universe was created by some very intelligent beings, those beings themselves would not have the characteristics of gods because they would have had to have evolved from somewhere. Okay, I think I think that's fair enough. I mean, I think my natural inclination, if I was to find out that the universe was created by some, you know, some intelligent life form, I'd probably consider them to be in the deity category. But I can see how um, how you could argue that they're they're also not. So, um, I think well, that's sorry, fine. but but if if that's um, the case, sorry, if that's the case, there would have to be some footprint, some detectable methodology for discovering these beings, right? I mean, they would have to leave some uh, well, to make, or to make matter. any truth claim about it. A- absolutely. Right, right. So there would have to be, and of course, to know that they were intelligent, we would have to either decipher their language or we would have to communicate with them directly or we'd have to find some indication of intelligence prior to the beginning of the universe. And I, I mean, I consider that unlikely, but of course, you know, that, that unlikely doesn't mean impossible, but there would have to be some trace element, uh, prior to the universe. There would have to be something. I can't imagine, since matter seems to have, you know, come into existence, I can't imagine that we would find anything before the universe because there is no matter, so there would be no writing. Uh, if, uh, if those beings came, came with us, if through the universe and could describe how they created it, then that would not be a deity. That would just be a really intelligent and cool <laughs> group of, you know, interstellar traveling, uh, beings. And so I, uh, but we're, we're certainly not going to find, I don't think hieroglyphics from before the universe because there was no matter before the universe. And so they couldn't, there couldn't be. Uh, so again, if we find something that is material, then by definition, it won't be a deity. It will just be something, something else. Uh, and if we if we don't find anything material, then that is uh, that is synonymous with non-existence. Right. I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with that. And I mean, yeah, I guess the main point I was trying to make is, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, kind of railing against this thing, because I mean, there's been a lot of kind of agnostics coming on the board with these kinds of arguments or whatever. And I do think that absolute. Uh, nonsense, but I'm just trying to say that not all agnostics have that that same approach or that same belief or things like that. Some agnostics are simply saying, you know, I don't know, basically. So, which, right. which I, don't, I don't think the same criticisms can be leveled against them justly. Well, I think I know. I think that they can because if somebody's saying I don't know, that is a perfectly valid approach to take about things that are not logically self-contradictory and accord with the definitions of of existence uh, of course right like the silicon-based life forms but if people say i don't know whether self-contradictory entities that leave no footprint in reality exist or not then what they're saying is that non-existence is the same potentially as existence and that is not a logically consistent position in other words if it's supernatural it doesn't exist if it's not supernatural, it's not a god. 
Okay. Um, I'm just thinking at the moment. Oh yeah, please take your time. I mean, this is I mean, my position. I could be completely wrong, but that's that's the the only the only stuff that I can accept uh, logically. But again, that doesn't mean it's some argument I have thought of. I mean, you you have kind of convinced me of the uh, you know the definition of, the, of all deities would would have to fall into that self contradictory category. That's something that I didn't. Um, really know before I was just more aware of the like the particular instances of gods that are, are put forward, but uh, that did clear it up. But I'm still I, I don't know I still don't think it is a lump all agnostics into that same into that same group. I don't think claiming saying I don't know is the same as putting forward an argument that it could, could be possible. Um, do, do you know Do you know what I mean there? Well. Uh, let's, let's try another run at it. And I appreciate your, your skepticism. It, it certainly may be valid, but let's, let's try one more run at it. So if I define a unicorn as a horse with a horn on its head, right? Then I think clearly you can't say no such thing exists in the universe, right? Because there could very sure, well be but, horses uh, with I mean, horns the, on their the head. The point I was trying to make is. Sure, but uh, I'm talking about not the ones that say it could exist or it couldn't exist, the ones that are saying, I don't know. Right. And look, I don't know whether a horse with a horn exists in the universe. I don't know. I'm perfectly comfortable saying, I, I certainly can't say that it doesn't exist. I mean, the only way you could say that a horse with a horn on its head doesn't exist is if you could simultaneously examine every, <laughs> you know, every place in the universe and see that it wasn't there. Which is impossible because you'd have to travel right, right. too quickly, right? You'd, I mean, to even traverse the universe would give it ample time to evolve from <laughs> from a nothing, right? So if, if a unicorn is defined as a horse with a horn on its head, then it's not supernatural, right? It's not magic, right? It's just a horse with a horn on its head. And then you can't say it doesn't exist. I mean, you can, but you're wrong. You can't say that with certainty. You can't say it does exist. So we can be agnostic on whether unicorns i.e. horses with horns on their heads, we can be agnostic about whether they exist or not, right? I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah, sure. But if I say that a unicorn is a, a, a magical being that can, uh, uh, can uh, fly uh, in an Earth-like atmosphere without wings and uh, uh, can, can swim and fly at the same time, uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't even know what the definition of a unicorn is exactly, but if it was some magical uh, thing, uh, then uh, clearly we're starting to ascribe properties that can't, can't exist in reality. I mean, you can't fly in an Earth-like atmosphere without some method of propulsion, without being lighter than air. Uh, so if I said, well, they could just fly by thinking about it, well, uh, that wouldn't be the case. If I said that they could be uh, in the air and in the water at the same time, then that would clearly be uh, impossible. If I said that unicorns lived forever, then that violates the need for evolution and uh, it violates biological imperatives and so on. And so once I start to ascribe magical or impossible qualities to that unicorn, then I'm moving it out of the realm of agnosticism and into the realm of impossibility. And then we are safe to say uh, such a being cannot exist. Sure. Uh, I mean, I agree with that, but um, I'll just like ask this one more time. So you do not see in this case a difference between two people if one of them said, you know, I don't know if this magical creature 
and the other one saying, you know, maybe this creature could exist if such and such, you know, outside of space, outside of time, whatever. You you see no real difference between those two positions. Can you just give me those two positions again? I want to make sure I'm following what you're saying. All right. One position is saying, you know, maybe this magic unicorn does exist because, you know, he could exist outside of time or outside of space or whatever, you know, all, all that the stuff that you've heard a million times. Right. And the other position is simply saying, I don't know if it exists. Well, I, th- I think those two positions are the same, uh, fundamentally. Because saying it could exist is the same as saying, I don't know whether it exists or not. Right? So um, uh, uh, the horse with the horn in its head could exist. And I don't know whether it exists or not. I can't say yes because there's no confirmation. But I can't say no because it's biologically possible, right? Okay, I can yeah, I mean I think sense. we can we can say something like this. We can say that any being that is flammable cannot live on the surface of a sun. And I think I think we can understand that, right? So that we're never going to find sure. uh, hu- human beings uh, or a species very similar to human beings living on the surface of a sun, right? Because that's just physically impossible. Right. If you're flammable and you're on the surface of the sun, you're dead, right? Right. And so if somebody says, well, I don't know whether human beings can live on the surface of the sun, they're incorrect, right? Right. Now, if they say, well, if in some... Alt- oh, well, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I don't think you can say they're incorrect. If, it's, if they're saying, I don't know, and it's true that they don't know, then how was that being incorrect? It might be a bit naive or a bit... Stupid, no, maybe, you, you know what? That's maybe, a that's a fantastic correction. Great. Yeah, you, you're absolutely correct. You're, you're you're totally right, and I'm I'm absolutely wrong to make that statement with the authority that I did. So that's a fantastic correction. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, if somebody uh, says that um, uh, a human being, like somebody who has knowledge, who claims knowledge uh, of biology or has knowledge of biology, uh, says that human beings can live on the surface of the sun then they are factually incorrect, even if they believe what they say, right? Somebody can say the world is flat. They're factually incorrect, even if they honestly believe it. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, somebody who says that human beings can live on the surface of the sun unaided is, I mean, they're incorrect on every level. There's no oxygen. <laughs> it's too hot. Uh, there's uh, uh, no compression of, of air to, to hold the body in place. So, uh, So you're right. Sorry, that's a great correction. They're factually incorrect if they say that. Okay, so, I mean, I think this is where I draw the distinction. I think because, you know, even 10 minutes ago, before we started this call, I didn't realize that all conceptions of deities were necessarily self-contradictory. And, I mean, that's something I'll go over after this call as well. But, I mean, yesterday, when I was writing some of these posts out, I kind of described myself as technically... I could call myself an agnostic because there are some things that I don't make knowledge claims about. Of course, all the, the gods, like the Christian gods and all those kinds of things, absolutely, I make claims about those, no problem. But there were some kind of conceptions that I didn't um, make any claim to know or to not know or anything. So I don't think perhaps that perhaps that was due to my ignorance of the definition of the of a deity that you've given me since then, but I would do not think it would be fair to lump 
say me in my belief yesterday in the same category as the people saying, you know, gods could exist outside of space, outside of time, and things like that. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, uh, and that's why, I mean, I've always respected your very impressive intelligence, and I've always enjoyed our conversation. So uh, I hope that I haven't been uh, negative or hostile towards what it is you're saying. I don't think that you were in that same category. Uh, and I've also never experienced that you do a kind of bait and switch that, that people do when talking about agnosticism. I don't know if you remember my debate with Bill Rush uh, about, you know, that he would ascribe characteristics to things that existed oh, in yeah. other universes, right? I mean, that to me was not uh, an honest, uh, an honest debate. But, um, uh, but, but I've never experienced that from you. So I hope that you, you know, experienced uh, this conversation that I, I really do respect, uh, where you're coming from. And again, if you come up with a definition of a deity that is not self-contradictory, uh, I really would be, uh, I- interested in hearing it. I can't imagine. I mean, at the very minimum, deities uh, appear to be conceived of as eternal, uh, with, with a few, some, some exceptions. I mean, there are a few gods that seem to, to live and die in ancient mythology, but, um, usually those are the minor gods, like the, the Jesus equivalents, uh, who, who die in the real world, but there is a master god who, who can't, uh, die or be killed. Or at least that's what I remember from Dungeons and Dragons and <laughs> the Fiend Folio. But, um, if you do come right. across those yeah. definitions, I would be very interested to, uh, to, to hear them. But everything I've ever read and heard about, which is, of course, not exhaustive, uh, I've never come across a definition of a god that isn't inherently self-contradictory. And yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much convinced of that. So I mean, I'm pretty happy with that that definition. But um, I'm just wondering because I'm not 100% clear, like well, what your opinion was on the distinction between saying you don't know and like making claims that there's there could be ways they exist. Do, do you still think um, it's all in the same category or? Well, no, I, perhaps there are I, I think, separate categories. Yeah, I do. I think that the, I do think that there are separate categories. The I don't know is I've never thought about it, so to speak. Right. I, I, I don't know the answer to, to whether gods exist is similar to maybe me saying, I don't know how to do open heart surgery <laughs> because I've never studied it. Right. I don't know how to do it. Uh, and it's a recognition of my lack of knowledge. And it, what I'm saying in that instance is not there's no such thing as open heart surgery or open heart surgery is invalid, but I simply don't know. So to say, well, does God exist? Uh, and, and someone who's never studied any philosophy or theology would say, well, I don't know. And I think that's an honest response. Uh, I don't know how to, to do advanced postgraduate mathematics. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that those things are invalid. I just, you know, I don't know. And I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's a reasonable statement. Uh, or I do know, but I'm missing information, right? So if if the argument that I put forward is valid, which is gods are inherently self-contradictory by definition, if you didn't have that as as a definition, then your position would be consistent and, and I think perfectly fair and valid. Uh, if the definition I put forward is accurate, then there's been a step forward in in knowledge and clarity. And so, you know, I mean, all philosophy is a progression, right? I I was not a, <laughs> I was not a jerk when I was a minarchist. I just hadn't thought things through, hadn't been exposed to particular arguments, hadn't, hadn't come up with particular arguments. So I think there is a progression. Uh, so somebody who says, uh, I don't know, when they lack knowledge or genuinely don't know, uh, is, is really not saying anything specific about gods, though. When somebody says, I don't know whether gods exist or not, what they're, to me, what they're really saying is, I don't have a clear definition of existence and gods. And, and once those things are made clear, 
then the knowledge accrues. Somebody who says gods could exist in another universe, gods could exist in another time and place and blah, blah, blah. To me, that is not nearly as uh, uh, as honest and and as integ- it doesn't. It's not a position that has nearly as much integrity, because they've clearly examined the nature of gods and the nature of existence, and they have realized that if existence is li- limited to the imprint of matter and energy or its effects in this universe, then their gods do not exist. And because they do not want to let go of the fantasy of the supernatural they then will construct an alternate universe where their gods can go and hide. And that, to me, is much uh, much more dishonest. Not that the other position is dishonest, but it is a dishonest position relative because they, they're people who've examined and have accepted and understood that their definition of God cannot possibly exist within this universe. So then rather than say, well, I now understand the definition of a God, I now understand the definition of existence, and I know what the universe is, and so, sorry, bye-bye gods, uh, shame, but that's the way it is. What they do is they, they won't accept it, and so they invent another realm where they can go and hide their god and pretend that the god still has a possibility of existence. But they can't claim a lack of knowledge of the definition of gods or of existence because they have created this alternate realm, which means they know that their gods can't exist. Yeah, and, you know, as I said, I, I completely agree when it comes to, to those those type of people but i mean there, there are some pretty well-known and pretty smart people who have admitted they take you know they're atheists with a with a technically agnostic position you know, people like you know, richard dawkins even or bertrand russell and, and these kinds of guys so i think that's why i'm kind of hesitant to to lump all agnostics into the into the same group if that makes sense well but i think that um those uh, those agnostics are making the argument for the potential existence of a deity, but they are defining that as a non-self-contradictory entity. So, for instance, uh, I mean, the, you know, of course, and I'll just touch on it briefly, right. the teapot out beyond the orbit of Jupiter, right? So somebody says there could be a yeah. teapot out there beyond the orbit of Jupiter, and people say, well, that's highly unlikely, but it's certainly possible, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, that is uh, that is the... The argument for silicon-based life forms or horses with with uh, horns on their heads or whatever, because it's not a self-contradictory entity. Yeah, there could be a teapot out there, some past civilization right. that you know, whatever, right? And uh, that's not self-contradictory. However, I don't think that Richard Dawkins would say that there's a possibility of a seagull's feather existing on the surface of the sun. That's right, why they have to course, put. That's why they have to put the teapot I, out I think, there on think, Jupiter, right? <laughs> If the teapot was orbiting a hundred miles from the surface of to. the sun, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, I, th- I think it comes down to this definition of deity. I think that's where the where the kind of issue here might lie, um, because obviously, I mean, those two guys that I just mentioned are, are pretty brilliant guys, but I don't think they had a, a conception a conception of deity that was necessarily self contradictory. So I think that's probably the the avenue to to explore in this case. Uh, sorry, I would I would say that they did have some sense of it because they did not posit the existence of a self They avoided the self-contradictory thing, right? So if they said, uh, it's possible that there's a clay teapot orbiting 10 feet above the sun, then they clearly would not be able to sustain that as a thesis, right? Because it would burst into flames and be destroyed instantaneously or virtually, right? Uh, 
So what they did was they created a possibility for something that existed that did not have any self-contradictory. Uh, but, but of course, the whole argument is that gods are self-contradictory and that's why they can't exist. So when they come up with their agnosticism, they come up with an entity that is not self-contradictory. I'm not saying that that's a conscious thing, but I think that there is something that is going on that, that is avoidant. Uh, and I think that that would probably only come out through through self-examination. I mean, scientists, and I mean, I, I, I feel this very strongly, scientists and philosophers should be very, very cautious in making knowledge claims. Of course, because knowledge claims have so often been overturned uh, throughout history. And uh, we, you, you have to be really, really careful when it comes to making uh, knowledge claims. This is why I won't say yeah, there could be a teapot out there beyond the orbit of Jupiter. Of course, we all understand that the possibility is absolutely infinitesimally small, but it's certainly within the realm of reality. It's not self-contradictory and so on. But we can't say that if there's not a teapot out there beyond the orbit of Jupiter, that the teapot simply exists outside of time and space. Like we can't then move the teapot because then that's the saying that non-existence is the same as existence. And that's, that makes no sense fundamentally. And we can't say that a self-contradictory entity exists because the very definition of existence is, is that objects have properties which cannot be self-contradictory. Something cannot be, uh, both, uh, a gas and a solid at the same time. It can't go both up and down at the same time, but you know, that kind of stuff, right? I mean, I'm talking about material entities and who knows what's going on at the quantum level, but that has no particular relevance to philosophy. But I think they did make those arguments, but they did do that switch where they suddenly come up with a non-self-contradictory entity and say, gods might exist because of this. And I think, I think they did know enough about the self-contradictory nature of deities because certainly in what I've read from Bertrand, Bertrand Russell and what I've read from, uh, both Hitchens and Dawkins, one of the major issues they have with deities is that they're self-contradictory entities. Well, I, I think they were more talking about specific deities in those cases, although I'm not 100% sure that you you could be right about that. But, I mean, I I didn't realize it, and I'm I'm pretty well read on the subject, and, you know, I wasn't brought up in any kind of religious upbringing or anything, so I don't think I have any particularly baggage around particular baggage around this kind of stuff but yeah although absolutely i knew like all the specific deities that have been described are self-contradictory i it had never been presented to me i don't think that all deities may be inherently self-contradictory so right right so that the very definition of a deity is that which is self-contradictory and therefore you don't need empirical proof like a square circle it just becomes something that destroys itself in terms of definition right Right. And, you know, I mean, I'd never heard that before this call. So, I mean, that's been useful for me, but that's also why I think there are maybe some agnostics that don't deserve the, um, the same treatment as the other ones. Cause they I'm sure there's many agnostics out there that aren't aware of the fact that deities are inherently self-contradictory in, in all cases or, or whatever. Um, right. Right. The okay. Well, well then I hope you don't mind. They, if they I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, I, I don't think agnostics should all be lumped into that kind of, kind of slimy, you know, you know, moving the goalpost type thing. Well, they may exist like this and may exist like that. I think, you know, when you talk about agnostics in general, there maybe should be some regard to, to the people who haven't come up against, come up, um, with that particular argument or, 
they're just the kind of you know starters, the the starting people who just haven't thought about it yet and say I don't know. So that that was the main the main point that I wanted to to try to get across anyway. No, and I, I think that is a, a very fair and wise and just uh, evaluation. And uh, I, I feel like I've made these arguments a whole bunch of times before, particularly in the early podcasts about religion. But perhaps I haven't made them effectively or su- as succinctly as we've talked about here. So I think that you're 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 exactly right. Uh, I think that we would not want to. Uh, and it's the same thing with, with statism or anything like that, right? We would not want to lump uh, people who have good intentions but bad information or incomplete information uh, along with those who have complete information and bad intentions. Uh, so I, I think that that's a very, very fair distinction, and I will certainly work uh, very hard to keep that in mind. And to agnostics who are out there uh, who listen to this if we release it, and I hope that you don't mind if we do, um, I'm really, really happy to hear definitions of a deity that involve no self-contradiction, uh, and uh, I would be certainly happy to adjust my position uh, if my uh, understanding of what the word means is incorrect or incomplete. Um, I'm just, I'm not 100% sure that you've got my point about like that, that, that last point I made. I don't think there has to be people out there who have a different definition of deity that's necessarily correct or anything like that. It could just be people who don't, who haven't been exposed to that particular argument and therefore haven't come to um, a conclusion. They say, I don't know, because they were missing that piece of information, if that makes sense. Well, I agree, but this information is only valid if the definition of a deity is axiomatically self-contradictory. Right? My argument uh, does not hold water if a god can be conceived of that has no self-contradictory properties but remains a god. I, I right. don't think that's logically possible. Uh, I don't think that you can create an entity limited in time, space, and biology and still call it a god. I don't think you can create a being, even in with your, within your own mind, that is mortal and bound by the laws of physics and still say that it is a god. I, I think that's, to me, that's very axiomatic. But, uh, you know, again, they, there may be something that I've missed in that. I just can't imagine. To me, if you create a mortal being that dies, uh, repro- sorry, mortal that dies, reproduces and evolves and, and so on, and is bound within uh, the, the laws of physics and, and reality, to me, that's just not a deity, no matter how advanced the being it is, right? It's the old Arthur C. Clarke quote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Well, you can call it magic, but it still remains just technology, and you could call an advanced being godlike, but it still just remains a very advanced being. So, uh, but but if there's something I've missed in that definition, but but my my point only holds if a deity by its very nature is a self-contradictory entity, like an eternal life form is a self-contradictory uh, uh, statement, or consciousness without matter is a self-contradictory statement, or existence outside of existence is a self-contradictory statement. Of course, the omnipotence and uh, omniscience are self-contradictory, but uh, again, there may be arguments I've missed on that, but I think I think it holds. Uh, but it doesn't. My argument doesn't hold if you can come up with a deity that is not self-contradictory. Right. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I, I think that's a, um, a a perfectly good kind of qualification to make there. But um, yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm pretty happy with that. And I don't know how how are you feeling? Do you think maybe anything? Has changed your perspective at all for you, or oh, absolutely! Kind of I think firm, uh, or? I, I think that your differentiation between 
uh, in a sense, and I'm, I'm colloquializing or I guess putting my own spin on what you're saying, the difference between people who've not been exposed to an argument and people who have but are trying to fog it. Uh, I think that distinction is is absolutely essential, and I think that uh, it's really, in a sense, I mean, it's going to sound kind of weird, but it's opened my heart more towards agnostics. Uh, I have found that most agnostics, though not all, but most agnostics um, will say, I'm not sure, and then when, when presented with rational arguments for existence and uh, the problematic nature of self-contradictory entities and so on, we'll just start moving the goalposts. That's been my experience with... but. Uh, I think that it's very, very important to not assume that going in. And I think that's your point, which is to say that it may just be a non-exposure to a particular form of argument that has kept somebody in the agnostic camp, which is actually a rational position if you've not been exposed to more uh, strict or rigorous definitions. So uh, I really appreciate the call because it has helped remind me of those uh, uh, good, uh, well-intentioned and actually uh, agnostics who have a great deal of integrity by not coming down on a conclusion uh, on something where they, they haven't been exposed to a particular argument. Great. So um, I'm really happy to hear you say that. And, um, and that's, I'm, that's I'm what you meant, right? You I, I want to make sure that I, my... I got what your argument was. Sorry to interrupt. That, that is what you were, you, that, that's what you wanted to make sure I understood, right? And I think I, I, think I did. That, that's absolutely what I was trying to get across. And I mean, I'd suggest if you have a couple of minutes to check out the post I made on the previous page, because I think it's explained a lot more succinctly in there too. And I mean, at the end of the post, I compared it to Anarchism, which is like a category that, um, you know, a category how how we would identify ourselves, and um, I know that we we can be given certain kind of, you know, you get kind of a certain look if you identify yourself as an anarchist, and that's because of a broad kind of conception of anarchy or whatever it is that that doesn't fit with our beliefs, but it's kind of like a general idea about it, and I was. I was trying to get it across, and I think I have the point where there, there will be some agnostics out there that will suffer the same the same problem when they're all grouped together. Right, right, and I I really appreciate that distinction, and I think it's a, it's a very wise and just one, and I really do appreciate you bringing it up. Oh, I really appreciate you um, giving me the time, and um, I feel uh, really satisfied with that with this conversation. So I'm I'm quite glad we've had it. And do you mind if I pop it out there so that I can get uh, agnostics to give me their feedback? Uh, not at all. I think that'd be great. I appreciate that. And if, by the by, I can cut this part off at the end. Uh, you're enjoying uh, uni and all that? Yeah, I am. I'm going into exams in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm just kind of buckling down and, and studying and everything. And um, I'm taking logic and moral theory and, and things like that this semester, so they've actually been like really good. I've, I've really enjoyed... Um, I don't know, the, mor the moral theory one's been quite surprising for me because um, I think what I found is there are so many philosophers that you can absolutely disagree with, but they're still brilliant and still make absolutely great points anyway. Agreed, yeah. And just just kind of expanding expanding my horizon in that way because I haven't really been exposed to a lot of like historical philosophy, I guess you'd call it, but to to get all these different ideas and they all they all kind of kind of ring true in a little way if that makes sense like if you looking at all the different moral theories there's kind of like consequentialism and that that kind of has a certain resonance even though i might not you know think it's true but you know you do act so that you try to have good consequences a lot of the time and virtue theory like aristotle came up with you know you do try to develop these particular virtues and things like that although i, I don't think 
they're the kind of correct moral theories. I'm in the same camp as you with like a deontological theory. I still have found that I'm I'm getting a lot from from these other theories as well. So um, it's it's been pretty cool. Oh, I think that's great. I mean, I, I certainly would recommend to as many people as possible to read as much philosophy as possible. And uh, yeah, philosophers that you disagree with, you can get, uh, like on some things, you can get uh, some fantastic things. And, and even the, your disagreement, you, you have to figure out why you disagree and where the logical error is if it's there or if it's just something that you dislike emotionally, which is certainly my experience sometimes. So even the disagreement can be in some, in some, way, in some ways the greatest uh, uh, source of growth. Right. I, I think... What was something I've noticed as well is kind of disagreement is philosophy. Like you, you can't really look at a philosopher out of context. Otherwise, they don't really make sense. But if, if you look at them in context, I mean, you see Descartes came along and then, you know, Locke and Hume were a reaction to Descartes. And then, you know, it, it kind of goes on and on. And everyone's kind of a reaction to the previous person, changing the ideas, refining the ideas. And it, it's like a continuous chain in a way that, that I'd never realized before. I kind of thought they were all individual, but but they're really not. It's kind of one big continuous kind of project where which is going back and forth and slowly slowly getting better, hopefully, but slowly refining the ideas and and all those kinds of things. So that that kind of historical aspect's been really interesting too. Yeah, yeah, and that they're bouncing off each other and also off their own existing political and sometimes socioeconomic. Uh, stimuli as well. Uh, that is always really fascinating. I right. mean, certainly for me, I mean, my my absolutism, for want of a better word, with regards to religious matters, certainly has something to do with the the violence that I see in the world arising from religiosity and not wanting to give people a kind of foggy out to retain superstition. Uh, that that certainly has an effect. There's no argument for or against the correctness of my position, but it certainly is a motive for for not uh, uh, for not stopping short where so many people do and saying, well, maybe, maybe. Right. Yeah, I agree. I actually wrote an essay in one of my exams last year. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Epictetus, but he was a, a Stoic philosopher yeah. in ancient Greece. And um, my, my essay, uh, my my exam essay was the case that Epictetus's philosophy was post-traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> right. and, and I, th- I think I actually made like a really good case for it. But I do see that I think having like the, the psychological knowledge I picked up at FDR and whatnot, you can see kind of so many, um, so many links like that 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 ex- that explain why someone would believe what they particular believe, and it seems to be kind of a combination of that with the the historical, like who they're reacting to or whatever that that seems to really shape people's philosophy. And it's it's kind of like a um, a detective novel or something. You kind of have to go back and work out these these puzzles, like you know what, why is this going on, and then. Once all the pieces fall into place, you can kind of you can kind of understand it. So, yeah, right, and I, cool. I I noticed that when I was reading about my philosophical ancestor, when he was talking with Locke about you know we really need to figure out a rational basis for morality, and they never quite got round to it, and it wasn't because they were dumb, uh, or of course I mean they were very very brilliant men, but my guess would be it's because they would have been prosecuted because I mean the the um, the church didn't even like it particularly when you would come up with physics explanations that contradicted the Bible, let alone moral 
explanations or arguments which would render Christian morality not only redundant, but uh, but incorrect. And so uh, why weren't they doing it? Well, because they would be prosecuted and perhaps even jailed or killed if they pursued that as a uh, uh, as a subject. So that's why it was only in their private letters and never pursued as a public goal. And so in a sense, uh, UPB has been made possible because a, I'm not going to get prosecuted, and B, uh, the technology exists to uh, to tra- transmit it outside of the regular channels, which uh, which it rather condemns. Right, the basis of academia being statism and force and so on. So, uh, I think that it's something that's easy to underestimate the degree to which uh, more language freedoms and uh, greater communications technology has made something possible, not due to any special intelligence on my part, but just rather due to, because of course I wouldn't have pursued the book if I couldn't, like it never would have been written if I couldn't communicate it, uh, if I couldn't transmit it, or if I would have been prosecuting, I mean, very few people write books like that, which are damn hard to write, and then just stick them in their drawer and burn them at their death. It would sort of be a pointless project. And so I think the circumstances and environments are as important sometimes as looking at the actual thoughts to really put things in context. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really kind of sad when you think of all the, the great minds that have existed over the centuries that that weren't able to do things like that because of what would have happened to them. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you can see in a lot of philosophy where they kind of start off really well and then they kind of have to sidetrack to include God in some. And it's right. just like, a, you know, that, that that's a shame. So. Right. Or, or the philosophers, Even, which you see, you see a lot of philosophers, particularly in the late Renaissance and Enlightenment, who say all of the arguments against God and such is the beauty of faith that we can cast them all aside and continue to believe in him. Like they always had to put that bit at the end. Um, so they would, and, and I mean, even Augustine did some, right? Uh, where you could see, at least I can see that they were striving to put out these arguments against God, but then they had to fall back on, on, and so is the greater the beauty of faith to continue to believe. And, uh, it's a shame that they had to put that last bit in, but of course, I mean, you completely understand why I certainly wouldn't have made any different decisions. Uh, I don't have that before being burned at the stake that, that some people. Right. Yeah. It is tragic. I was, Reading about, I think I think it might have been Aquinas, but he was kind of defending some philosophers that were making claims that kind of led to a, you know, they, they were logical claims that were kind of airtight, but they led to uns and the compromise came up with, with something like, you know, logic should be free to to act according to its own rules as long as in as is in the case of faith or whatever, like, you know, it was like this real like. Oh no! Please, yeah, like we need we need logic to build a bridge, right? We need logic to build a bridge, but fatally bridge to God. So that's the idea that you put logic in the mere material world, but the true stuff of life is in the supernatural. Uh, and yeah, there is that division, and you can see that through history that uh, uh, no human being survive without reason at all. Uh, but uh, reason and faith are in this constant war, and a lot of people did just bisect completely and give the world to reason and reserve. Uh, heaven and gods for faith yeah yeah i mean absolutely absolutely brilliant people have gone down and it's it's just kind of it's really sad i think yeah it is it is because it is the shadow of the sword right that bowing before and i certainly don't condemn uh, anyone for doing that because uh, we are born to live uh, not to die for values which for which they would everything would die with us if if you cross the church or, or the state in those days yeah, yeah, but I guess we have to be glad to live here, even oh, with absolutely. lots of problems. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's no way that this conversation would exist in any other time. Uh, and in the future, hopefully, it will be somewhat redundant because it will be largely accepted. But at this time, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I think we have a very smart group of people who are all working on these problems of philosophy, but there's no way to get them together or to have that invest even be valuable uh, in a former time. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree totally. All right. Well, listen, have, have a, a great life your, your exams, and I hope that you, uh, you enjoy them. I, I certainly remember them being a little bit stressful, but I also did get quite, quite a bit of excitement in doing my, uh, my exams. So I certainly wish you the very best. And I'm, I'm of course, complete at how much you're enjoying uh, your relationship and, and university and all that. And I hope that it continues to be as enjoyable for you. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate um, how you've handled this call as well. I mean, it's always easy when you want to question an authority figure and you have made it. Uh, I keep forgetting that I'm good. an authority figure. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're no, a very casual that. figure, I think, but you're an authority figure nonetheless. So, um, <laughs> authority figure in, in very casual pants. But no, and I appreciate you bringing yeah. that up. I think you made a, a fantastic. I certainly do appreciate the, the sensitivity to the issue that I think you've certainly brought back to me. Oh, and thank you for, for giving me that new definition of deity as well, because that's given me something. And I, I think you probably changed my mind. So um, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic as well. Hey, mutual wisdom progression that you can't get better call that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks. Goodbye.